take a moment to consider all the factors that impact your health. What comes to mind? Your diet? Perhaps your lifestyle, like whether you exercise, drink, or smoke? Maybe you thought about your family history of diseases like cancer or diabetes. But health and well-being go beyond that. The field of public health is about thinking broader, thinking beyond the individual, about how our built environment affects us, how laws and policies impact us, and how the social forces influence our behavior and well-being. Each week, this podcast will discuss one topic from the wonderful world of public health to reveal these ubiquitous hidden forces and artifacts. One episode at a time, we will show how public health is all around us. Welcome to Everything is Public Health. Everything is Public Health. Welcome back to Everything is Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. Okay, so in doing research in this topic, I have realized that I'm actually more passionate about this than I thought I initially was. So Uh-oh. if I do get out of control and too emotional, I need you to pull me back because okay. this is the main episode and I can't go off the rails I, like this. I won't <laughs> let you get too spicy in this main episode. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> A warning right off the bat. So We are so forewarned. <laughs> so public health is very broad and there's so many topics that we want to cover that it's hard for us to do everything that we wanted to in the time span that we wanted to because we want to touch on many topics. So we said we were doing part two on housing and that was almost 20 episodes ago because we have to cover a lot of many episodes we've done. It's crazy. Yeah, it is insane. Part one was episode three and this is now episode at least 22, if not later. But I'm fulfilling that promise. We are revisiting housing as public health. Do you remember what we did for the first part? We talked about the challenges of not having an address and how many things in our daily lives revolve around having an, an actual sort of physical address to give people. And we also sort of reflected on how it's like a very nasty cycle because in order to get housing, a lot of places require you to have housing first, which if you think about it, really doesn't make sense. But yeah, so that was a little thought experiment or thought exercise that we did to sort of reflect on even if you are physically safe and physically sheltered and you have like food and water taken care of by not having an address is still like just a pain in your butt You're living in this society. So we're back and now we're going to talk a little bit more about homelessness as a public health issue. Homelessness is a public health issue in many ways. I mean, the most direct way is that when you are homeless, when you are without shelter or without consistent shelter, you know, you probably can't do much things about your health. You probably it's just not good for you in many ways. Yeah, if, if people are experiencing homelessness or maybe not even so severe as being currently homeless and just having housing instability, for example, not knowing where you might sleep or not being able to stay in the same place for more than a few days, you're focused on meeting those basic needs, right? You think of Maslow's hierarchy and you have to food, water, shelter, security kinds of things. And when one of those basic needs are being met, it's much harder to think about some of those higher level elements of well-being. And it can be harder to focus on prevention, sort of thinking about public health from a prevention healthcare standpoint. It can be hard to think about eating healthy foods, right? If you don't know where you're going to be sleeping tonight, you're not necessarily focused on eating fresh fruits and vegetables, right? You need food that maybe is more shelf stable, for example. And so all of these things tie in together for people who have housing instability or are experiencing homelessness, it can impact 
a whole range of other issues. Yeah, like just what you said. And the essence of public health is that we care about the health of the public. So just because we aren't homeless and you aren't homeless doesn't mean that this is not an issue that public health shouldn't care about. So we know that this is not the case for everyone, but for some individuals who are homeless, they may have a mental health issue or a substance use issue. And having a lack of stable job, lack of of stable housing can lead them to access social safety net services like law enforcement interactions might increase, emergency department utilization might increase. And in particular, Mm -hmm. for some of these individuals who are experiencing uh, issues with mental health, that can lead to challenges in our healthcare system where individuals are sort of cycling in and out of an emergency department. And when they're discharged, there's really nowhere for them to go. And it may be harder to follow up with these individuals. Some cities have homeless outreach teams as part of their either mayor's office, health department, or police department even. Mm -hmm. And they try to follow up with these individuals and connect them to services and to resources. Mm -hmm. It is just such an impactful problem not having a permanent address because when people do want to reach out with services, it may be hard to identify and find those individuals after the fact. The same place. They might be moving. They might be somewhere else. People can't see me, obviously. (laughs) My right hand is like very... It's just rotating. Effusive right now. MJ can see me. It's just, it's. I don't know what is happening with my right hand this morning. It's like you're lecturing very passionately and then your hand just keeps like throwing itself forward. (laughs) It's okay. I do that too. Anyway, but yeah, like homelessness is definitely a public health issue. It's also like society's issue. Homelessness is also a very complex issue and forget the stereotype of what you think a homeless person is. There, There are just many types of homelessness and people flow in and out to the state of homelessness constantly. There's also, we're not even touching on things like housing insecure or inadequate housing. Those are two separate categories that sort of are related to homelessness, but that definition extends even broader to more and more people. So what I'm trying to say is forget the stereotype of like homelessness is like a person living on the street. Uh, Homelessness could be someone who is in a abusive relationship and they take their child and they left the abusive household. Well, where are they going to go now? They probably need to stay at a motel or sleep in their car. Or go to a shelter. Or go to a shelter, right? So they are technically homeless as well. Forget your stereotypic image of people who are chronically homeless on the street. There are many types of different reasons why people are homeless, which is something that we'll talk about in a future episode. But in this episode, I want to focus on this. Here's another quiz question for you. Okay. (laughs) This This is now becoming a theme on this podcast. How many people in the United States ballpark are homeless at a randomly given time? A million people? Oh, you're not too far off. It's around half a million to 600,000. So a decent chunk of Americans are homeless, depending on the year, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower of homeless people at any given time in America, which is a lot of people. I'm wondering in the context of the pandemic and all of the economic instability and people losing jobs and moratoriums on eviction that are lapsing. I'm wondering how Mm -hmm. rates of homelessness or housing insecurity might change in the coming years and if we might actually see some substantial increases in in those numbers. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought it up because since 2018, I mean, even before COVID, the trend has been upwards. And obviously, COVID caused another spike, but homelessness was declining until what it appears to be 2016, 2017. And then since 2017, 2018, it has just been steadily going up to almost 600,000. We're currently at roughly 580,000 homeless individuals. When we're talking about homelessness and housing insecurity, this is not 
only adults. Yeah. MJ, you mentioned the example of person in an abusive relationship who might leave with their kids and not necessarily have somewhere safe to go. We have a lot of kids in the U.S. who are also experiencing homelessness or some level of housing insecurity. Yeah. So I'm sure they have like an age breakdown, but that's not something that I particularly investigated. But you are absolutely correct. Like this is not just an adult issue. This this could be children. This could be uh, teenagers. This could be families. This is an issue I ran into yesterday. So many different places use different definitions. Do you count people who are crashing at a friend's place? Do you count people who was in a homeless shelter for a week, but then quickly found a new? So it's different places have different definitions, I guess. But the specific number of around half a million, they tend to focus mostly on unsheltered homeless. Yeah. And then there's a difference between point prevalence and lifetime prevalence, right? So at any point, have you been homeless versus are you currently homeless? So I think those are- Those are two different numbers, yeah. Right. Just to clarify, how many people are homeless? The half a million to 600,000 are referring to not lifetime homelessness, but like point. Point prevalence. At any given point, how many people are homeless in America? So around half a million to 600,000 on the rise too. Now, here's the point of this episode. For every homeless person- How many, quote unquote, vacant housing units are there? Well, I'm thinking about Baltimore and it has uh, like 16,000 vacant or abandoned houses, I think. So something like that. um, I would say there's, I don't know, 100 vacant units for every homeless person. I don't know. That's that's an absurd guess. So depending on what area you look at, that guess is not far off. No, seriously? Which is telling you something. Oh, wow. So here's the thing. So I looked at this from many sources, from many data sources and from many articles, and the number fluctuates dramatically. But the one constant that is always true across all sources is that it is more than one. There is more than one empty house per homeless person. Like some some places it's five to one, some places say it's 33 to one, some places say a lot more dramatically, like a lot higher. But the theme is it is more than one. We have more empty houses per homeless person, period. Yes. So that's not great. No. (laughs) Um, But I do think it's important for people to keep in mind that just because there is a housing unit that is vacant does not mean that it is safe for people to live in. Exactly. Um, And so it's not like we can take every person experiencing homelessness and put them into a safe and secure and clean housing unit tomorrow, right? Like there will be a lot of time and investment to go into making these houses livable and safe. But also there are reasons to believe that people who are experiencing homelessness, like they need services and supports to make them ready to be in in a housing unit. So I had a colleague who did a lot of work with people experiencing homelessness during our master's program. And These individuals got into a program, they were given housing units, but many of them didn't feel comfortable. They'd been living outside without shelter, uh, without sort of stable and secure shelter for so long that when they were inside, it it was sort of a, a very strange feeling and they needed to go through some therapy and cognitive behavioral things to to help ease their anxieties around that. So it's, yeah. as you said early on, this is a complex and multifaceted problem that we're not- Very complex. We can't yeah. just like fix tomorrow. 
right? It, it takes a lot of time and resources and it has to be a priority, which I don't yes. think it has been for many people. No, you're absolutely right. This is a very complex issue. I mentioned there's some variation across different geographic areas. The worst state is Mississippi with a whopping 166 empty houses to one homeless person. Okay, well, that makes me feel less bad about my guests, but Mississippi, <laughs> man. What's going on? 166. And like you said, I don't want to oversimplify a very complex topic, but the reason why I wanted to do this episode is because I really want to bust a myth that this is a scarcity issue. Homelessness is not a scarcity issue. America's huge, okay? Like we have the resources. If we wanted to, we have the resources. We actually have current vacant houses. Granted that they need, they probably need a lot of work. Now that none of them are safe, there's definitely more resources that need to be poured into this, but it is not the scarcity issue that some people make it out to be. And a lot of times when we think about homelessness and people not being able to afford a home, we're not talking about like providing them with like penthouse apartments. Like we're just talking about like a place for them to not get rained on and a place for them that where they have a door and a lock where they maybe have like cabinets and shelves and fridge. Like we're talking about like very basic things. So it, it just, it's, oh, I need to take, take a breath, <laughs> it, put a little sour cream on it. Cool the spice. A little sour cream. Good job. Good job. So it's my turn to get a little bit spicy here, MJ. Go ahead. So there's a, a newsletter that I very much enjoy called Popular Information. So folks ah, yes, should, you recommended yes, that to me. folks should check it out. Judd Legume is just an amazing journalist and, and writer. But the other day or last week, whenever it was, he had a article about super rich people shirking their taxes not not paying and the IRS not having sufficient resources to audit mm -hmm. those individuals and instead they're going after low income people because they don't have the resources to sort of fight the audit but the estimate if i'm remembering correctly from Judd's article 1.6 billion dollars a year yeah. in shirked taxes by like the top 1% of people so I get so frustrated when we talk about yeah. any kind of scarce resource or, you know, having to cut some budget item to be able to pay for something else. And this is not about increasing taxes on no. anyone. <laughs> this is literally just making people pay what they owe right. rather than letting them get away with not yeah. paying. And we could very easily have all of the services that we need for people if we had all of those billions yeah. of dollars yes. each year that people are not paying. Okay, my turn for some sour cream. <laughs> sour cream I get so cream. mad. I get no. So I completely mad. agree with you. And I think Whew. again, you know, just to just to be clear, I don't want to oversimplify a complex issue. But of course, of course, this is not addressing homelessness. is not It's not a scarcity problem. So I don't know if you saw this article uh, or post, but uh, it went viral a few months ago, like Finland ended homelessness. Have you seen that title? I do recall seeing that, but I don't remember sort of the content of the story. Yeah. So Finland ended homelessness. That was a very clickbaity title. And I just want to put quotations around ended because it makes it sound like more utopian than it actually is. But well, I mean, Finland is pretty utopia-esque, <laughs> right? Yeah, Finland is pretty utopian. So what they did, essentially, the genius thing that they did was, well, they just provided housing <laughs> to, to people that need it. That's the genius thing. It's called housing first. And the concept is basically by providing housing to people that need it, we can then facilitate them 
to out of poverty, essentially out of their unstable state. Absolutely. And it's is very successful. Makes perfect sense, right? So if you are experiencing homelessness or housing insecure, it's going to be a lot harder for people to find a job, right? We talked about the need for an address when you're filling out job applications and all those kinds of pieces. It's going to be harder to show up for a job regularly when you don't always know where you're going to be or, you know, do you have the opportunity to, you know, wash yourself, wash your clothes, et cetera. And to me, it makes 100% perfect sense. If you give someone an opportunity to have stable and secure housing, it's going to be a lot easier for them to do other things and become contributing members of society. Like these people are going to get jobs, they're going to pay taxes, they're going to, you know, pay back, for lack of a better term, the investment in them by getting jobs and paying taxes. Yeah, it was a huge success. And the number of people experiencing homelessness in Finland has dramatically decreased. Again, the quotation around ended, I think is needed because you can't really end something as complex as homelessness, but it's a wonderful success in Finland, how they did this housing first concept. A lot of arguments that I hear is like, well, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for housing all these homeless people? Make super rich people pay their taxes. <laughs> yes, that's one. And also two, the second point that I want to drive home is that we are already paying for them. Yep. In terms of ER visits, in terms of the number of resources that we already have to provide them. Right. Uncompensated care. Exactly. In hospitals, emergency response when something happens. Social work, stuff like that. I've heard about research and also anecdotal evidence about people who are experiencing homelessness will intentionally commit a crime to get arrested for shelter when the weather gets cold. So we're paying for a lot of these issues already that we could avoid those costs or minimize some of those costs, or maybe a better way to think about it, we could reprioritize how we're spending the money that we're already spending by providing people stable and secure housing as opposed to arresting them. Yeah. Would you rather pay for crazy ER bills and law enforcement bills, or would you rather do something preventative, right? And several teams of researchers have already done their calculations, and a lot of them have come out to say that, hey, providing housing for this population might actually save us money in the long run, in the grand scheme of things, or at the very, very least break even. Like we are already paying for them in many ways and providing housing. It's not only better for them, but it could be also better for society. I haven't personally dug into that, so I don't want to say too much, but it makes sense to me. Like prevention, an ounce of what's an ounce of prevention is a- An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that applies to homelessness as well. Like we have the resources. This is not a scarcity issue. And by potentially doing what Finland does, housing first, we could potentially, also end homelessness here. I think the biggest hurdle is political will, which, you know, it's a topic that we'll have to touch on later. And I'm going to do a sidebar. Sidebar. This is probably going to cut because it might get too spicy. But (laughs) when you think about the Finland housing first concept, are there people who abuse the system? Like, of course, of course, there are people who abuse the system in a sense that, well, I'm just going to get housing. And it drives me insane. Like with any system, you're going to get abusers, like a few abusers. And if your response to a few people abusing the system is, well, we should just remove this entire system altogether at the cost of like hundreds of people who might benefit from this system. Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me just because of it. (sighs) Anyway. No, I know exactly what you mean. I I get frustrated because we hear the same kind of argument in gun policy, right? So, oh, well, this law is impacting the rights of a few law-abiding citizens by making them wait longer to get a gun, for example. And so we should just get rid of the law 
entirely because it's you know impacting these few people or oh these few right. people are breaking the law right these criminals are not following the law so it's just making it harder for law-abiding citizens so we should get rid of it. but like this is just a stupid argument and yeah, why would you remove these protections or these policies or these services that are going to impact for the positive a lot of folks just because a few people aren't doing the right thing it's really dumb yeah and the same thing goes to a lot of social welfare program like a lot of I'm not going to say, you know, which media, but uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to make a random media company name. A lot of like Pox News. There were air stories about how, oh, this one person was a quote unquote welfare queen. Have you heard that term before? Oh, yes. She abused the system. And this is why welfare is. And I was like, so you want to scrap the system that helps millions of Americans because a few people abuse it. Darn that Pox News. Yeah, Pox News. Yeah, definitely not a real news station. Okay. so anyway, um, (laughs) that was pretty lame. That's okay. Couldn't come up with anything better. (laughs) That's Um, fine. Moving on. Moving on. So one more thing is that areas with the worst homelessness problem aren't necessarily poor areas. Areas with the worst homelessness problem are typically more likely that the cost of living is just exorbitantly high. Yeah. The state with the worst homelessness problem is California, the richest state. It's because it's so expensive to live there. It's very expensive to live, followed by New York, Florida, Texas, and Washington. I think they're just like in order, the richest states in in America. Maybe Washington is uh, in front of Florida, but D.C. also has a huge homelessness problem. But the idea that homelessness is a poverty issue is not a full picture. Homelessness is more like cost of living issue rather than like a poverty issue. Right. It can be a result of many factors. It's not a a single issue problem. But yeah, so I hope today this episode sort of illustrates the fact that we have the capacity to end homelessness if we wanted to. There are multiple empty vacant units per homeless person in some place, Mississippi, 166 per homeless person. And the national estimate hovers around 20 to 40 empty houses per homeless person, depending on what source you look at. So hopefully I've illustrated the fact that how complex this topic is, but also how tangible it is, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there are things that we can do, concrete things that we can do to help address the issue, ensuring that people pay their fair share in taxes. And I'm not, again, talking about increasing, just simply current taxes, making sure that people pay what they already owe can help make some of these resources available Mm -hmm. and reprioritizing how we're spending the money we're already spending so that we are prioritizing prevention and providing people with safe and secure housing rather than paying for them to be in jail or emergency departments. Yes, we are already paying for this society issue. So if we just shift the resources around, we could change it into prevention rather than fixing things on the back end. By solving housing insecurity and by solving the homelessness problem, we are in turn solving other issues because housing is just such a core part of basic needs and security that fixing it would help us fix other issues as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more and more people can learn about the wonderful, omnipresent essence of public health. New episodes are released Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
follow us on Twitter at everythingisph or Instagram at everythingispublichealth. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Also reach out if you think we miss an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Grafasi. And if you're interested in seeing my delicious gluten-free baking creations, you can follow me on Instagram at CassPhD. Please also give us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us immensely. Don't forget to like, share, and comment as well. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link for that in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health. Everything is public health.